from KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Great Bar Sports Open Line. Goldsmith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Great Bar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Now, Matt Pauley on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. And we do welcome you into the program, a brand new week's worth of shows. You're going to get a lot of sports open line this week because the Cardinals are playing out on the West Coast. So that means we do sports open line and then we go right into Cardinals baseball tonight. They're opening up a four-game series against the San Francisco Giants. The pitching matchup this evening, Jordan Montgomery is going for the Cardinals. He'll be opposed by Alex Cobb. By the way, the uh, the lineup has been posted. I'll give that to you in uh, just a moment. First off, Let's tell you all the ways you can connect with the program. You can call or you can text 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can also tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. On the show today, uh, in about 20 minutes or so, 25 minutes, we'll be joined by uh, Frank Cusimano from Channel 5. We'll get his thoughts on a lot of things. We'll get his thoughts on the Cardinals. We'll get his thoughts on the Battle Hawks season coming to an end. We'll get his thoughts on City SC, and we'll see what else we happen to talk about with uh, Frank when he joins us at 6.35. And then uh, next hour, we're going to be uh, joined by uh, Danny Emmerman from uh, San Francisco, works for KMBR Radio out there, and uh, we'll talk about the Giants a little bit, the Cardinals' opponent for the next four days. We'll get into Paul DeYoung. We'd like to hear from you. Where are you at? He's... Uh, I was thinking about this, about the, the like the, the polarizing players on the Cardinals roster, and there's a few of them. I think Tyler O'Neill is a polarizing player. I think Jordan Hicks is polarizing, and I think Paul DeYoung is polarizing, and I think they're polarizing for different reasons. And one of the things I always say to you, and by the way, it's not it's not me telling you how to be a fan, and it's something a lot of times I take self-inventory of why I feel a certain way. And I think that's important for somebody who does what I do. My job is to turn on a microphone every day and give you my opinions. And I need to have reasons for my opinions. That doesn't mean I can't be biased. I, we, we all carry our biases into different areas, and I'll always be pretty honest about that. If somebody tells you that they don't have any biases or they're able to look at things completely down the middle 100% of the time, they're not telling you the truth. We all carry certain biases. Biases, biases, biases. I don't know. Anyways, you know what I'm saying. Well, we all carry them with us. Um, I, I think a lot of times it's pretty easy to tell why someone has a certain bias. Like there, there are people who don't like Jordan Hicks because he throws really, really hard, and they think he represents that. They, they get sick of this stat cast era of baseball and hearing about velocity and pitch shape and all these things. And somehow Jordan Hicks has become the poster child for that. So when he struggles, as he has a lot this year, there's a certain group of people. I don't know if they take joy in it, but there's certainly, and I told you so nature to it. Uh, When it comes to Tyler O'Neill, he looks different than a lot of other guys. He is, he cares very much about his physique and he does a lot of weightlifting and he doesn't look like the normal baseball player. And for some reason, that does not sit well with a certain percentage of the fan base. So when he struggles or when he doesn't completely run at 100% full speed between third and home, again, that whole I told you so thing starts to come out. 
And then there's Paul DeYoung. And I don't, I don't understand why he is a polarizing player. Now, he hasn't played well in a while, and he has continued to get chance after chance after chance, opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Maybe it's maybe it's that. It's obviously tied to his contract as well. That that's if if they have no money invested in him, there's a good chance he's still not in the organization. We're not going to run away from that fact. Uh, but he has become a very polarizing player, and he's the one. I I don't agree with not liking Jordan Hicks because you don't like the fact that we talk so much about guys who throw hard. I don't agree with not liking Tyler O'Neill because you don't like the way his body looks. But I can. I know where you're coming from. I understand where you're coming from. I don't agree with it. I think it's kind of silly, but I, I know where you're coming from. The Paul DeYoung stuff is it, for him to be as polarizing as he is. It's odd. It's odd because you can't social media, whatever it's, there's a lot of very strong opinions on Paul DeYoung. We're going to get into him uh, coming up in the next segment as he uh, makes his return yesterday. He is in the lineup today. We can tell you what that is. He is batting in, uh, where did I have that? I believe he's, in, he's the shortstop today. I believe he's batting in the eighth spot. Let me double check that. Uh, yeah, he's batting in the eighth spot today. Uh, so Nolan Arnato is getting the day off, and they're going to have Edmund play second. DeYoung is going to play shortstop, and Brendan Donovan is going to start at third base today. Lars Newtbar is in center field. He's leading off. They're once again going to do the thing with Nolan Gorman in the three spot, but today he'll be splitting up Paul Goldschmidt and Wilson Contreras, uh, Burleson in right, Newtbar in center, and then in left field it's going to be Tyler O'Neill. So we'll dive into that a little bit more coming up later on in the program as well. Kind of an odd sports weekend for St. Louis sports fans, considering what went on with both the Battlehawks and uh, City SC for the Battlehawks. They played well, they won, and then just this stupid playoff system in the XFL. Who would have ever thought? I took a step back today because I'm thinking to myself, we're going to talk about the playoff format in the XFL. Who would have ever thought on Sports Open Line? On KMOX that we'd be sitting here complaining about the playoff format in the XFL. But here we are. That's where we're at. Uh, The Battlehawks have become such a big deal in St. Louis that it's worth talking about. Because I think the XFL did make a mistake in the way that they did the playoff uh, format with the top two teams from the division getting in as opposed to maybe a system where the top teams from each division gets in and then you go wild cards after that, which would probably make a little bit more sense because you look at the Battlehawks record and the fact they're not in the playoffs and it just looks rather silly. So we'll get into that. And then City SC uh, didn't play especially well against Colorado. They were able to get out of there with a draw. They were in position to win. There was a late goal there in stoppage time that Colorado ends up scoring, and that uh, that's the that evens things up, and they end up uh, having a draw. They're probably lucky that they did that, even though they were in position to potentially win the game uh, before all was said and done. And now Klaus is going to be out for a while. He's probably going to miss a couple weeks. He is uh, dealing with an injury, uh, so he's going to be out uh, 10 to 14 days is what the team said, a right quad strain, and then it is a two-match week because in addition to their regularly scheduled game at home against Portland coming up uh, this weekend, uh, they are also going to be having uh, a 
U.S. Open Cup game that's going to uh, take place tomorrow night. Vantage Credit Union game time, 7 o'clock uh, over at uh, City Park. I don't know if ticket sales have really picked up. I got to think they have a little bit. I believe tickets are still available for that. If you've been looking to go to a game, get inside of there, see what it's like, tomorrow is a great opportunity to do so because uh, pretty much everything else that they've got going on is sold out. But you've got an opportunity to catch them in action when they play in the U.S. Open Cup uh, tomorrow against Union Omaha. 7 o'clock is when uh, that thing is going to get rolling coming up tomorrow. As always, you can hear it on our sister station, Y98. All right, uh, we will take a break, and when we return, we'll dive a little bit more into Paul DeYoung. What's your thoughts? Where are you at? Uh, are you excited? Not excited? Are you frustrated? Where are you at with Paul DeYoung? 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me, at Matt Pauly on air. And we will uh, continue on with the program. It's Gray Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Balls hammered. Left center field. Back goes Rodriguez. He looks up and it's gone. Paul DeYoung, his third hit of the afternoon, and it's a big fly to left center. DeYoung connects. Welcome back, Paul DeYoung. All right, so let's let's not try to sugarcoat anything. Paul DeYoung has not played good baseball from a uh, from a hitting standpoint in a good number of years. Last year in 77 games, 157 hitter, 2021, uh, hit below 200 and 113 games. He did hit 19 home runs. Uh, the year before in 2020, playing 45 games in the shortened season, uh, hit uh, 253 home runs. It's, it's been a while. A lot of people look back to 2019 as being a big year for him. It was a big year in the sense that he hit 30 home runs. Uh, that he drove in 78 uh, runs, but he still didn't hit for average, 233. Really the only year of his career he's hit for much of an average was in 2017 when he played in 108 games, hit 285, 25 home runs, 65 RBIs. From an OPS standpoint, that was clearly his uh, best year, and his second best year was that 2019 when he hit 233 with the 30 home runs and 78 RBIs. He is. He got the contract. They're, they weren't just going to walk away. They weren't going to just throw that money away. So he has continued to get opportunity after opportunity. Is he going to be better this time? I don't know. I'm skeptical. Let me say that. I am skeptical. I have a hard time really believing that it's going to look incredibly different this time. I was excited to see what he was going to do in spring training. When he had the opportunity, he didn't look especially good, but at the same time, he was injured, but then he put up really good numbers at Memphis, but that's nothing new. He's put up good numbers at Memphis every time he's been down there. Comes back, has the three-hit day yesterday. That's great. Hits the home run. That's great. Uh, Maybe that's the start of something. Maybe it's not. When he came back up last year after being at Memphis, he hit home runs in each of his first two games back. So we don't know anything for sure, but this is the one thing I would say, and this is what I don't understand. 
There's a lot of people who are very much anti-Paul DeYoung. Got text message. Paulie D needs to go. He's had millions of chances. He needs a new start somewhere else. We're about to take a call. I don't know what the caller's going to say, but I feel like generally the reaction when I mention Paul DeYoung is, is negative. We'll find out. I would say this. He put in a lot of work in this offseason, and he revamped his swing in a way that he's never done in his career before. The work he did was very, very similar to what Matt Carpenter did last year. And we know what Carpenter did last season. It really worked for him. Maybe it'll work for Paul DeYoung. Maybe it won't work for Paul DeYoung. I don't know. But I do think the Cardinals have to figure it out. They need to know what they have in him. If the work he did in the offseason did actually work, if he's going to return to some you know previous version of himself, he can be an asset on this team. Gold glove caliber, defense at shortstop, hits with power. If If you've got those things going on, well, that's a good thing to have on the roster. Two weeks from now, if he's hitting 185, then at that point you can make that decision and say, you know what, he did all that work. We appreciate that he did all that work. But it's just, it's not going to work out. Let's grab our first phone call again. If you want to join us, you can do so. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. Gerard has given us a call. Hey, Gerard, you're on a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Hey, Matt Pauley. Hey, I appreciate your show, your personality. I love your analysis, so I appreciate you. Uh, and the bias thing you say so true, but we try to look past that. I tip my cap to the teams I don't like and beat us mm-hmm. because they're doing something right. But anyway, Paul DeYoung, the Cardinals, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, we'll have to see how he does, just like you say. But the Cardinals can't hardly give up on him, or it's hard to, because the guy hit 30 home runs or some of the things you just said. It's, that's a lot of power from the shortstop spot. I, I, I think O'Neal and him both, they're going to showcase him. And if they don't perform well by say the trade deadline they're going to go and we're going to get some pitchers and i think they're giving o'neill and him a full chance because i think o'neill's a free agent so they're going to have to pay him next year i believe and so they're showcasing him i think because there ain't no reason why that carlson should be playing center field he's not hitting great but that carlson can play center he, he looks like carlos beltran out there to me and how he can't be out in center field when he does play the few times that he did it, you know, they had him out uh, a left. I mean, that Carlson, I mean, we traded Bader because of him. He looked so good for a short time there hitting and fielding. But at any rate, I, I believe they're showcasing O'Neal. They give him everything he wants. They put him in center. I, I give him credit if this Paul DeLong comes back and does well. I don't know where you're going to play him. I mean, Tommy Edmonds shouldn't sit. I mean, after what he's done, I mean, maybe you put Edmonds on second. But, you know, somebody's somebody's got to sit. So I think they're trying O'Neal out, showcasing him. He's got the most at-bats or close to it as an outfielder, and they're going to give this Paul DeYoung a good crack here in the next couple of months. If they ain't hitting 30 home runs again or on that pace, they're going to get moved for a pitcher. What do you think? Yeah, Gerard, appreciate the phone call. I do think there's a good chance either one of those guys could get moved. There's teams that need shortstops. The Dodgers have been mentioned a lot and when it comes to Paul DeYoung. If if he gets rolling and there's an opportunity to make a move that includes DeYoung, I think they would do it. That's When you look at this team and their needs, especially from a pitching standpoint, they've got the prospects that they did not use to go acquire Sean Murphy that they can put in a trade, but they also have players at the big league level. This is not meant to be 
denigrating towards any of the players I'm about to mention. But if we're really being honest about things, they could trade Tyler O'Neill. They could trade Dylan Carlson. They could trade Lars Newtbar. They could trade Alec Burleson. They could trade Juan Yepes. Those are five outfitters. Four of them are on the big league roster right now. Yepes up and down. Um, they could trade any of those guys. And you're not really worse. And it's not that those guys aren't good players. They are. It's just that you have so much depth in the outfield that if you get rid of one of those guys, whichever other guy is going to get more at-bats because of it, the numbers aren't going to be that much different. Now, I don't think they're going to trade Newt Bar. Newt Bar is a guy who uh, they really believe in, and he's got some kind of intrinsic things that he does that's really good. So of all the guys I mentioned, he's the one that I would be um, most surprised if they included him in a move. But they could they could trade any of those guys, and you're not getting worse for it. Just not having them. That's that's the talent level that exists in the outfield. Now O'Neill has one more arbitration year. He's got next year uh, one more year of club control, and he's not due for total unrestricted free agency till 2025. He's making just under five million dollars this year. That will go up again next year uh, with arbitration. At one point, do you do you look at those numbers and say we, that money can be spent better elsewhere? I don't know, but uh, yeah, O'Neill will get a raise and he'll. Um, he's got one more year of club control, but the one more year of club control is certainly important in this thing because uh, teams like players with club control. And you look at the uh, last year, he made three point four million. This year, he's going to four point nine million. It's going to—I uh, I don't know what he'll make next year, but it'll depend on his production this year. But he does have one more year of arbitration before that. Uh, before that, he goes. A uh, text message from the three oh nine says. I agree with the sentiment that Paul DeYoung's defense is just shy of gold glove defense, but his bat needs to stay consistent or fans will lead him to the gallows. The bat is the big question. He's He has to hit for power, and he's got to hit for a little bit more average than he's been hitting for. You, you look back at his 31 home run year, or excuse me, his 30 home run year in uh, in 2019, he had 233. I think you'd like him to hit better than 233. You can deal with the 233 when you got a 30 home run guy, but even that, you want a little bit more. From a strikeout perspective, 149 strikeouts in 2019 and the 583 at-bats. It's not a huge number, but when you consider the 233 average, the 149 strikeouts, it was nice to get the 30 home runs. It was nice to get the almost 80 RBIs. Uh, but still, that's something you'd like a little bit more than that, and we continue to look back at that year as being a key year in uh, when the last time he had things uh, put together. So. I don't know. Well, let, let's wait and see. I say this about Jordan Hicks all the time. I'll say it about Paul DeYoung. I think Cardinal fans need to be rooting for Jordan Hicks because guy who can hit 102, 103, that uh, certainly is a um, that is certainly something of value. And uh, we'll, if he can put it all together, that's good. Same thing with Paul DeYoung. You get the uh, gold glove defense and power at that position. That's not something that a lot of teams have. All right, we will take a break. We'll have more in just a moment. It is a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Frank Cusimano joins us after this right here on KMOX. This is the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Those bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. 
A great bar sports open line does continue here on KMOX. We're leading you right into coverage of Cardinals baseball. Cardinals tonight opening up a series against San Francisco. Four-game set, Jordan Montgomery against Alex Cobb. 8.45 first pitch tonight. That means our coverage will begin at 7.50. Right now, we're very happy to welcome on to the program. He is the sports director at Channel 5 at KSDK. He is Frank Cusimano. Hey, Frank, always good to talk to you. How are you? Frank, do we have you? Frank is not there. We'll retry Frank here in a second. Frank just hung hang up. Well, what did I do to Frank? I thought Frank and I were pals. I thought we were tight. We were, uh, he, I don't know. Frank's, Frank's angry at me. That's going to be my first question when we get Frank back. Frank, what, what did I ever do to you? What did I ever do to you? That's the question I will have Frank for Frank Cusimano, I kid. So we'll get him back on here in uh, just a second. Again, if you're just joining us, the lineup today for the Cardinals, Paul DeYoung is back in there. He is the shortstop. He is batting in the eighth spot. That means uh, Tommy Edmond. He is at second base tonight, batting in the ninth spot. And uh, Brendan Donovan is uh, at third base tonight because Nolan Arnato is getting the day off. All right, let's try this again. Frank Cusimano, do we have you? Yes, sir, Matt. All oh, right. guys, must have been a bad sell area. Hope you're doing well, buddy. Yeah, I'm doing great. It's uh, it's good to have you on. What are your thoughts on the, this Paul DeYoung thing? At one game certainly doesn't tell any type of real story, but he did so much work in the offseason, then he has a good first game. Do you have much hope that uh, DeYoung is going to uh, get it back going this year? I do. Um, I'm actually an unabashed Paul DeYoung fan. I remember a shortstop that hit 74 home runs in a three-game span. I remember a shortstop who hit 30 homers in a single season, which is the most in Cardinals history. And I'm seeing a guy who said, I'm going to cut down on my leg kick, and I'm going to have a little bit more athleticism to the swing. And so far, so good. I'm not saying he's Cal Ripken, but I am saying he can help you. So he is one of the most polarizing players on this roster, and so many fans have very strong opinions, and more often than not, it's a negative opinion of him. What, you've been around a long time. As you look at the Cardinal fan reaction to Paul DeYoung, why do you think it is what it is? Well, it's because he signed the contract, and he's hit under the Mendoza line for two straight years. It's almost similar to the Matt Carpenter situation, signed the contract and was really unproductive for two years. Now, Carpenter had a nice comeback, but there's a little different situation in that Paul DeYoung is still in the prime of his career. You know, and I know I shouldn't get too excited after one game, and nobody should, but I still think there's something left there. I don't think you lose it that quick unless it's injury or age-related. And in both cases with Paul, that's not the situation. You mentioned Matt Carpenter, and the similarities continue with that because what he did in the offseason, taking kind of that analytical approach to looking at his swing, very similar to what Matt Carpenter did last year. That's the thing that I kind of, when I'm trying to convince myself that this DeYoung thing is going to work out, that's what I keep going back to, that what he did is, looks very much like what Matt Carpenter did last offseason. Yeah, and the other similarity is that they're both really bright guys, Matt. And he was, you know, paralysis by analysis or analysis by paralysis. They just got in that funk that they could never get out of. And I think the Cardinals, who's more see it and hit it kind of guy, 
and I think that's going to help Paul DeYoung. What's your overall concern level? It's still so early on in the season, but it's not clicking yet from the team from an overall standpoint. Well, you know, look, you've got to be concerned about the starting pitching. Uh, I love Jack Flaherty, but who's my two? Who's my three? Who's my four? You know, I, you know, Miles Michaelis has been a good pitcher since he's been in a Cardinal uniform, but I think sometimes you get a little sick of after a game hearing, well, they weren't hard-hit balls, and some of them just found holes. You know, you are your record, as Parcell says, and that ERA is your record. He's got to get better. I don't think he's going to be bad. Um, Stephen Matz hasn't pitched well in a Cardinal uniform, period. So, look, if you look, if you look at the Brewers, they have a big two. The Cardinals don't have a big two. Maybe it's out of line right. We'll see what happens. Yeah, you mentioned that, the, and I don't think it's just Miles who says that. I, I listen to what these starting pitchers are saying after every game, and it does feel like there's always that, well, th- there was a, a ball that found a hole. It was a, a soft contact, a low percentage hit. It really feels like we're, we're hearing that from a lot of guys a lot of times, and, and I just got back to St. Louis last year, so I haven't been covering this team you know, super intently on, a, on an everyday basis, but it does feel like there's a lot of that from a lot lot of different guys yeah you know it's like Matt when we cover spring training and I always say like a starting pitcher can't lose because if he pitches well you know I pitched well and then if he gets rocked well I was just working on some things so now the way is well you know they just they just found holes they weren't hard hit balls and I think in Michaelis's case there were a couple of instances especially game one where he was a little bit unlucky but this this guy has not been the same Miles Michaels that we've seen in the past because he has been a good pitcher. So we'll see what happens. Bottom line is, if you ask 30 general managers which big two do you want, the Brewers to the Cardinals, all 30 would say Milwaukee. Yeah, absolutely. Frank Cusimano continuing to join us here on Sports Open Lines. Let's switch gears for a moment. In the grand scheme of things, the XFL playoff format is not exactly the biggest news in the sports world, but here in St. Louis, the Battlehawks are a big deal. They miss out on the playoffs. An under-500 team will get in uh, because of the playoff format, and there's a lot of people who are legitimately upset that the XFL put their playoff format the way they did. Yeah, and you know who's even more upset than St. Louis fans? The XFL brass, because they're not going to get a great TV rating, and they certainly won't get a home game in St. Louis. It really is a shame. I was on, um, I was just listening to Coach Beck's press conference, um, his Zoom, just about a few hours ago, and you feel so bad for the guy, because he lived and died it. He loves the St. Louis fans. He says, I'm coming back next year. But it's just a tough way for this season to end when you go down to the fifth tiebreaker and the Sea Dragons knock you out. How much did you enjoy just watching this team? Because the last time the XFL existed, they had to end early because of COVID. And now this was the first full season opportunities for for St. Louis football fans to show how good they can be. And clearly, not only did they lead the XFL, but you look at what's going on in the USFL. It's St. Louis spring football fans are, are the best that exist. Yeah, and... I'm just wondering, I'm, I'm sure it's not going to happen in the near future, but God, somebody in those NFL offices have to say, what the heck? They're playing in that old dome, and they're playing spring football, and they're drawn between thirty-three and 38,000 for every game? You know, as I told you before, I think 
that there's no such thing as a bad NFL city. There's only bad NFL owners, and we won the lottery in hell back-to-back with Bidwell and Kroenke. Hmm. Yeah, it's and you know people look at Atlanta when it comes to hockey and say, well, they'll never get hockey again because they lose a couple teams. I don't know if St. Louis is ever going to get football again, but it's completely the losing two team thing that people stand by. I, I don't think that applies here when you consider the, especially with the Rams, the way they ended up leaving. And now we know that they paid millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars because of it. Yeah, seven hundred and ninety million dollars. From that league, and I don't think they'll be too too gracious to say, you know what, let's give St. Louis a chance after yeah. we've written that check. So, well, I mean, if there's ever a chance for St. Louis to get a team again, I would have to think Roger Goodell can no longer be the commissioner. Yes, which would be a good thing for America. It, I would agree with that. Frank, <laughs> you're a good thing for America, a good thing for St. Louis. Thank you so much for taking some time with us. We'll uh, we'll do this again real soon. Great to be with you. I'm a big fan, Matt. Take care. All right. Thanks. There's Frank Cusimano joining us here on the program, sports director at Channel 5. Yeah, the XFL internally, they got to be bummed out that St. Louis is not in the postseason. And again, it's it would be really simple. And nobody was thinking about this before the season got started. And I got get it. And you're starting a brand new league. The fifth playoff uh, tiebreaker is not something that you're thinking of. But now when we take a step back, we can realize just kind of how silly it is. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more coming up in uh, just a moment. But the playoff format, it is dumb, and St. Louis kind of got messed over by it. We'll discuss in just a moment as we continue on with the Gray Bar Sports Open Line here on KMOX. Our sports open line does continue here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. As always, if you want to join us, 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm always honest with you. I feel silly. I feel silly sitting here having a segment being critical of the XFL playoff format. The XFL playoff format. I, that'd be like, it, with all due respect to the XFL, it's just in the grand scheme of the national sports landscape, it's a minor league. Now, I know for St. Louis sports fans how important the Battle Hawks are, the fact that they're drawing 30-plus thousand for every, uh, every game, and I'm not trying to denigrate the league by calling it that, but it's not the NFL. It is lesser football than the NFL, but here we are. And I'm, it's not that I don't care about this. I do. I keep thinking to myself, should I care as much as I care about this, this XFL playoff format deal? And I do, I just, I do. And it's frustrating because I thought it was really, I like the fact that there was so much attention on the sports fans of St. Louis and the football fans in St. Louis during the XFL season. And some of it helped the fact that the rock is involved. So he's sitting there tweeting out things about uh, St. Louis and football fans and some of the attendance numbers and TV numbers and things like that. Just the, the good stories from the XFL so often this year, those good stories were connected to St. Louis and, and connected to the battle Hawks. It is very frustrating 
in a league where you just have a north and south division that's completely just based upon the the geographical location of teams that because of where you're located at in the country a team that is 4 and 6 is getting into the playoffs while you have a team that is 7 and 3 not getting into the playoffs and not only is that 7 and 3 team not getting into the playoffs they lose out to another 7 and 3 teams because you have to dig deep into the tiebreakers to figure out how it all went down major kudos to Brian Stahl who is the uh, who does the public relations and the media relations for the Battlehawks he does he is incredible at his job and does a, just a, a fantastic uh, job of really helping us in the media promote what's going on with the Battlehawks. As he was sending out emails over the last few days going through playoff scenarios and, and everything that had to go, like, my steam started coming out of my ears because it was too advanced for me to understand. Like, it's the fifth tiebreaker, and it's about the points allowed and the point, you know, point differential and all that sort of stuff. It was just it was very complicated. If you had to do divisions, and I get why you want to have divisions in, in, in anything you do, the easy answer, and I, I hope what they what they do, because at the end of the day, you do want to make sure that the best teams in the league are the teams that are in the playoffs, especially when you're in an upstart league. We could sit here and talk about how much the XFL would have liked to have had St. Louis in the playoffs because of TV ratings and would have liked to get a game in St. Louis potentially uh, because of the attendance and all that. It's still a game that's played on the field. You still accomplish your things. Uh, Your accomplishments still come based off what you do from a win-loss standpoint. Okay, so I'll, I'll buy for a second. You want to have two separate divisions and I'll buy for a second that being the division champion has to be worth something. That's fine. But beyond that, just go best records. You get the two division winners, and then after that, you get the, the teams with the best record. It's kind, of, it's kind of the way baseball does it, right? When you look at the way baseball does it, the division winners all get in, and then all the wild cards are just in based off their record. There is no guarantee that because you're a second-place team in the division, you're going to get in. So a little short-sighted on the XFL's part. The XFL has done a fantastic job putting everything together. There was no reason to believe going into it that we would be in a situation where a 4-6 and team would get in and a 7-3 and team wouldn't. But that's where we're at. You can't do anything about it. It's a bummer. It stinks. But you, you can't change the rules midway through. They can't come in and say, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to change our playoff format with a week left to go when they see what's going on. Once the rules are in there, those are the rules. It would not have been fair to uh, the Arlington Renegades who get in at four and six. It just won enough. So fix it from here on out. I've got your answer. The answer is the two division winners get in. And then after that, it's the teams with the best records. There, there's your answer. It's fixed. Everything's going to be good moving forward. First thing XFL should do once the uh, they play their championship and the season is over, they can announce that they're changing the playoff format for next year. Don't even wait. Don't even wait till next year. Just announce that you're changing the playoff format and that it can become the St. Louis rule. It can become the Battlehawk rule. The playoff format, the wild cards, 
can become the Battlehawk rule because of what happened in the first year of the XFL. All indications right now are that the XFL will be back next season. That's good. We'll have to wait for sure. You know how things go with spring football. You would hope at some point, and I don't know if this is possible when you consider the ownership of the XFL versus the ownership of the USFL and the uh, competing parties in there, but at some point, just, just bring it all together and make the best possible spring league that you possibly can. All right, one hour in the books, a little bit more coming up after the break, uh, after the news, and then we'll get you into Cardinals baseball. It's all coming up. This is a Graybar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.